Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. Michigan is on the road for a second straight week. How likely is it the Wolverines get to 6-0 with a win over Nebraska? Plus, breaking news on the recruiting front, and maybe a little hockey talk at the end. All on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. Aaron, hello, hello. How are we on this Thursday afternoon? Good. I'm, I'm doing all right. The weather seems more fallish, but then I look at the forecast for Saturday in, in uh, Lincoln. It's supposed to be like 88. Ew, that is, wild. that is just unbelievable. In middle of October, or still early October, but geez, still. Yeah, it's like... Packing yeah. your Hawaiian shirt to wear in the press box? <laughs> I, I might have to. Well, let's get into some, some pretty much breaking news here, and not so good news for Michigan recruiting. They lost... Uh, Commitment from four-star edge rusher, defensive end, Mario Eugenio out of Clearwater, Florida. I mean, this is kind of a big deal. He was their third-ranked, our third-highest-ranked prospect in the 2022 class. I mean, they they needed impact players up front, and it looks like, yeah, he's going to be looking elsewhere moving forward. You know, I went back to look just to make sure this wasn't like a Don Brown guy that, you know, the form, the previous defensive staff was recruiting, and it, it wasn't. I mean, he was offered a nope. scholarship in February after Mike McDonald got here, after most of the coaching staff changes were put in place. Obviously, Sean New is still here, so that, that's the, uh, the variable here. But, you know, he visited in June, committed July 5th, and now, what, like three months later we are? Here we are, and he, he mysteriously decommits. I wonder if I know his teammate at Gaither, um, a three-star defensive tackle, Toffee Thomas. He received a Michigan offer a few months ago and was set to announce his commitment to Michigan. I think it was last month, and it looks like there was some miscommunication, at least what I've been told, between the coaching staff and and Toffee Thomas. Michigan wanted to get him on campus first because they hadn't seen him live in person before. He was a big dude, so you probably want to evaluate a guy like that, see how he moves at, at his size in person. But Thomas went ahead anyways and scheduled his commitment date and then had to postpone it. It looks like Michigan kind of told him, hey, look, we're, we're not ready to take you yet. We got to see you first. So I don't know if – and I, I know Mario and, and him are, are pretty close, so I don't know if that had any – Impact at all, but now a couple, couple, like a month or two later, he's he's not no longer in the fold, and Michigan has a, another opening on in its class. You got to wonder if that played a factor. You know, for folks not in the know, I guess when a football team or school offers a scholarship to a player, oftentimes there's like there are two different distinctions. There's like a committable offer and a not committable offer. Obviously, those not committable offers come at the very early the process where. You're still like reviewing tape of a player and you like what you see, but that's supposed to get the ball rolling in the process. Like you said, they're supposed to get him on campus for a workout or a camp or whatever the case may be on for a game. And then it's supposed to like snowball from there to the point where eventually the kid commits. But that's interesting, you know, and you, you wonder if it did have, a, have an effect on Mario's decision. Anyway, you slice it. I don't think this is a this is a good decommitment. I mean, this is a guy I think definitely fit the type of scheme that, that Mike McDonald is trying to, to like play. So you start to wonder what what exactly happened there. Not not a good look. Um, it's only one person, so like the, you know, I don't want to blow this out of proportion, but this early and it just doesn't doesn't look good. No, and when he's one of the four four stars you have out of 17 commits in the 2022 class, you need all the talent you can get. And I know Michigan's out there trying to push like, Hey, we're, we're finding 
diamonds in the rough and what whatnot. I mean, you can find diamonds in the rough, but at some point you you need to get talent and need to win battles that all the uh, many schools want. And at this point, Michigan hasn't really done that. And maybe this their hot start will start to change some things. I know Damani Jackson's still out there. Josh Connerly, the, the five-star offensive lineman from Washington, he's still out there. So, I mean, there are some some top targets Michigan's still going after, but, I mean, it's getting late in the game here. It's October. They already have 17 pledges. I mean, they're not going to take more than probably seven, eight more guys. So, I, I can't say I'm too excited about this recruiting class, but, again, I mean, it is a little bit of an interesting cycle because teams are just starting to evaluate these guys in person again after a long dead period because of the pandemic. But, Mission is nowhere close to competing against the Ohio States, Alabamas, Clemsons of the world in recruiting this year. So we'll, we'll see if that changes if they continue to, to win football games. And let's be clear about this. I don't think this 2022 recruiting class was going to be anything special to begin with. I mean, it, it always seems like whenever there's a massive coaching staff change and you're changing schemes and, and everything else, recruiting takes a hit. I mean, that's only a natural, like, symptom of of all those changes the key here is michigan right now at least has to be developing this foundation of how like showing what how you want to play and how you're how you're using these players and obviously winning so michigan's doing that you know so i think they're more more or less building towards 2023 um but you're right i think when your class is already lacking to begin with you need all the playmakers and key skill guys you can get um on the other side of the ball Eugenio could have been one of those guys, and it's you know it's, it's unfortunate. But either way, I mean, Michigan's have to move on there and find some other guys and kind of build some momentum from here, or try to. Let's move on to the actual game here coming up this weekend too, because it's it's a big one in Nebraska. The Cornhuskers are three and three, and at this point, I I don't really know what what type of team Nebraska is. I mean, they've been hit or miss, and I mean, yeah, Michigan's going on the road, but. I mean, yeah, what Michigan opened is is a one point favorite. And what is it? Is it still at is that three now? Three, three, three and a half, I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just right off the bat, I think that's still pretty low. I mean, I think Michigan to, to go in and win this game by a touchdown or two. But yeah, I mean, what what stands out to you about about this upcoming matchup? So I tend to agree with you, but I'm waiting to slow my role in Nebraska here. I don't think they're as bad as some folks think they are. And I don't think they're certainly as bad as that week zero loss to Illinois shows. You know, since that loss to Illinois, they beat Fordham, FCS team. They beat Buffalo, a decent max score. They have been in the past, at least. They lose by a touchdown at Oklahoma. They lose by three points in overtime at Michigan State. And they beat the brakes off Northwestern last, last weekend. So It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And so I think this Nebraska team, A, they're competitive. I mean, they haven't lost by more than a score this season. Um, I know they're only three and three, but I think they have the capability of winning on Saturday. And I think this this matchup on Saturday, I don't know if Michigan fans probably don't want to hear this, but this has the potential of being a slip-up game for Michigan. You know, they're coming off of that high of winning at Wisconsin and winning, you know, favorably and looking good doing it. This Nebraska team presents, you know, some challenges. They run that triple option offense, or at least option offense. Michigan, you know, we think it's more triple option. But like Michigan, as we saw a couple of weeks ago against Rutgers, uh, their quarterback Noah Vedral ran something similar. Michigan didn't exactly look good defending it. Now, they had that week to to do it. They've seen it before. They're obviously preparing it for it this week. So I think it's going to help them. But this Nebraska team is dangerous. I'm not ready to write them off. I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. I don't think Michigan's going to win by multiple scores. I think this is going to be a close, hard-fought game 
And this is another case where it's, it's on the road under the light. So I think it's going to help Nebraska. I don't think there's bad as the record indicates. Yeah. Three straight night games for, for Nebraska. I don't know if that gives them an edge at, at that point or, or, or what, but we also have to remember too, like Scott Frost, always seems to get his teams up to play Michigan. Now, obviously, the, the results haven't always shown. <laughs> I mean, if you go back to the UCF game a few years ago where he, afterwards when he said his team out hit Michigan and everything else, like he knows what type of team Michigan is and how they want to play. I have to think he's going to have his guys ready, and I think this is going to be an entertaining game on Saturday. And remember, yeah, Michigan has, has a bye week after that and then Northwestern. So, I mean, they're, it could be easy to start looking ahead to that. I mean, every, a lot of people are talking about that. Wow, Michigan, Michigan State, two 7 teams squaring off here in a few weeks in East Lansing. But, I mean, you got to win the games on your schedule first. And if Michigan is going to have a slip up, it, it would be against against Nebraska. But I don't know. I, I think Michigan, what they showed at Wisconsin, I mean, that, that's going to give them plenty of momentum. And I don't know. I don't think Adrian Martinez is going to be, ha- be able to have as much success against this Michigan defense as he was against Northwestern or Fordham or Buffalo. Uh, I mean, against the quality teams, I mean, at 16 points against Oklahoma, 20 against MSU, who gave up a lot. I mean, they didn't do much to stop Western Kentucky last week. I mean, their offense was rolling against the Hilltoppers, but yeah, I don't know if I completely believe in this Nebraska offense to consistently move the ball against Michigan, but we'll see. I mean, it will be, it's not going to be like, like last week when Michigan was able to just rush the passer and, and get the pressure on Mertz and who, who isn't very mobile and, and kind of just force his hand. Martinez can extend plays. He can scramble. So that, that's going to be a, a challenge for Michigan, but I, I think they'll, they'll be all right and get the six and oh here heading into the bye week. That is going to be the key. I think to Michigan's results Saturday is how they deal with Adrian Martinez because he's Martinez is averaging like two, like 240 yards passing per game. He's averaging close to hundred yards on the ground. He's a, he's a handful, you know, he can do it multiple ways. He's definitely an upgraded version of Noah Vedral. He can complete the deep ball. He can break off that big run if, if necessary. So I think it's, it's really going to come down to how Michigan defends him. I mean, you're likely going to see one or two guys assigned to Adrian on every play on defense on Saturday. They can't let him break free. They have to have their eye on him at all times. It's going to be a test, I think, for this young group of linebackers who, to this point, have played relatively well. Um, and when I say young, I guess I mean, you know, like the Kyle Green and the Junior Colsons and the Khalil Mullins type. I mean, Josh Ross, I think will be fine. He'll probably want to be the guys assigned to, to dealing with Martinez for most of the game. But it's it's going to show us really, I, I think, where that group is at this point. Defense has been fantastic so far, but they haven't really had to face an offense of this caliber at this point. We talked a lot about Graham Mertz and his arm. They they dealt with it after, you know, Mertz had that, that good drive last week. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, Noah Vedral, I thought, did a decent job of kind of carving up their defense and, and moving the football a couple of weeks ago. How Michigan can, can handle gaps, plug gaps, tackling is going to be the biggest key on Saturday. They have to limit the number of missed tackles. They have to break down Martinez at the point of contact or Weber has the football and limit and keep Nebraska out of the end zone. Because as, as we've seen, they can put up points. Obviously, 52 points on a Fordham team, that's you know an outlier there. But they were able to score 16 in Oklahoma. Um, they scored 20 on Michigan State, and last week, as we saw against Northwestern, they put up 56. So this team can score if you let them, and it's, it's going to be a test of this Michigan defense in a different way. I mean, they got they were tested last week with the size and physicality of, of Wisconsin. 
This week, it's more the speed, finesse, athleticism of Nebraska. And if they can do that, if they can handle Nebraska and come out victorious Saturday, Michigan will have been proven, uh, have proven themselves on both different areas of, of the scheme, schematically, defensively. So a big test. I think they can handle it, but I'm not counting Nebraska, as I said earlier. It looks like we finally might have some differing opinions in our in our predictions or scores that are varied a little bit, so about time. But uh, I was just looking at the Big Ten stats here. I didn't really, Nebraska has given up 18 sacks so far this year. I mean, so it's not like that you could get negative plays against them and force them into in the third and longs. So, and if Michigan's able to do that, I really like their chances. I mean, right now, Aiden Hutchinson and now with Ojabo coming along, I mean, there's those outside linebackers, edge guys are are having a field day. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. But I, I have Michigan winning by by multiple score or yeah, multiple scores on on Saturday. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring it up and I just totally forgot to, to do it. But if they can get Martinez to hold on to the football and Michigan can spy him and keep him in check, the longer he holds on to the football behind the line of scrimmage, the more likely they obviously are going to get to him. And as you mentioned, Nebraska's offensive line isn't great. They do give up sacks, as you, as you mentioned. So if Michigan can get pressure in targeted situations, you're not going to send the house every play. you got to be real specific about when you do it. Um, but there will be opportunities for their for Michigan to get to the quarterback, and if they can they can convert and hit on some of those, it's going to push Nebraska back, and you know, second long, third and long, it's going to make them more make, make things more difficult uh, for the Cornhuskers to move the football. So there are opportunities there for this Michigan defense. They've been, I think, the biggest surprise of this team so far. And as I mentioned, Saturday's going to be a challenge. Martinez is a talented guy. You can knock the underachievement or Nebraska's records or whatever the case may be. But I think to this point, and some of the players said this week, he will have been the most talented quarterback uh, Michigan has faced so far this year. And they've got to uh, plan accordingly. Yeah, not only the, they're a threat throwing the ball, but I mean, he, he's their best rusher too. It's not like Nebraska has any running backs that, that Michigan really has to game plan against or, or really – prepare for i mean there's nothing special there in, in their backfield so yeah we'll, we'll see I and mean, we'll see how, if michigan can start fast too i think scoring first in these games for michigan has really been key for them i mean last year they fell behind in every game and finished two and four this year they score first in every game they're five and oh so yeah starting fast especially on the road will, will be key we haven't seen this team have the battle from behind yet and if they if they do get behind who knows how how they'll respond so if they and stay in front and, and strike first. I think they, they feel comfortable with the lead, and that's the, the key to success so far. Nebraska's rush defense is susceptible, and they're giving up a home for 122 yards per game. I suspect Michigan's going to try and, and, again, run the ball early just to see what they can get and then obviously go from there. But I, I do expect them to throw the ball a bit more, um, just like they did last Saturday against Wisconsin. They're going to have to, I think. And, and that's going to be, I think, a regular part of their game moving forward, especially against better competition in the Big Ten. Yeah. They've got to be balanced. They've got to be able to convert on, on you know, third and longs, you know, third and long passing plays, or, you know, take some shots downfield. And I think that's going to be the difference in whether Michigan can win comfortably or even win some of these games and or they end up being close games they've got to be balanced got to be able to move the football on the ground but they've also got to convert and that means you know obviously not turning the football over and and being sound sound with the football something they've done very good very good job of so far but the reality is at some point Kate McNamara is going to have a bad game or throw an interception or two and Michigan's going to have to overcome it uh, whether it's you know with their defense or something else offensively but 
We haven't seen that yet. I'm really curious to see how they handle the environment Saturday in, in Lincoln. I think it's probably going to be a little bit more rabid than what we saw Saturday in Madison. I was kind of surprised, but most of the Wisconsin fans almost seem to be like sitting on their hands Saturday at Camp Randall. I was a bit surprised, aside from like the jump around thing in the fourth quarter. They weren't very loud. Student section never really filled in in its entirety. And obviously, Wisconsin wasn't playing good football, so that plays into it. But I think this is a big game Saturday, not only for Michigan, but for Nebraska and Scott Frost. I mean, everyone wants to talk about hot seats and, and everything else. Well, Scott and, and Jim Harbaugh were very much in the similar situation coming in this year. There's a lot of heat on their jobs. Folks were upset with the jobs they had done, I think, for different reasons. But, you know, for, for Scott Frost, this would be a momentum-building victory over the Wolverines on Saturday. Should they come out, vict- come out victorious? And if Michigan pulls out the win, you're looking at 6-0 heading into a bye week, rather healthy. And, you know, there's there's a shot they can close to the top five going into another winnable game uh, in a couple of weeks against Northwestern. If Michigan's able to win on Saturday, do you think they move ahead of the loser of the Penn State-Iowa game? That's a good question. Maybe, but I think it's going to come down to how that game plays out too if it's going to be a close game like the odds makers think it will be right i don't know you know at this point i think both iowa and penn state in the top five i think it's what three four or whatever it is or four or five you've got two very good defenses there you got two teams playing very good football both of those schools have good you know good wins so far I don't know. It's going to be tough. I think we have to let these games play out and see. There's a possibility. It's very real. It's a very real possibility. But if that game ends up being close, like we suspect it will be, I don't expect much movement at all. You know, if I think Iowa right now is ahead of Penn State in the rankings, if Penn State were to win, maybe they jump them, you know, by one or two spots. But we'll see. We'll have to see how these games play out. I think the best case scenario for Michigan is a comfortable win in Nebraska on Saturday. And Iowa or Penn State to win by, you know, a, a touchdown or two either way. That way you can kind of differentiate yourself. But if these games play out close, like the, like the odds suggest, I don't I don't expect a whole lot of movement either way. A- anything else about this game that you want to discuss here before we move on to hockey to close the podcast? You know, I, I was impressed with the defense on Saturday. I thought they played a well-rounded game. They are clearly showing that they have one of the better defensive units, at least through five games in the Big Ten. I'm really curious. I really want to see how they handle up Adrian Martinez. If they can keep him in check and limit him, because look, you can't stop him. He's going to come up with a big player every now and then. He's going to keep Nebraska moving. But if you can keep them out of the end zone and force a couple of turnovers, Michigan's going to be in good shape. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of folks really jumping on the Michigan bandwagon next week. You know, if they're six and zero, you know, and looking realistically at you know, you know, nine or ten wins this year. Stay tuned uh, tomorrow for on our website to, to get all of our predictions from me, Aaron, and, and Andrew as we predict the, the games. And Aaron will be in, in Lincoln with plenty of game coverage, so make sure you stay tuned there. But I'll be at the, the Michigan Hockey home opener or season opener on Friday night against Lake Superior State. And it, I, yeah, I can't recall uh, a team that has generated as much preseason hype like Michigan has so far. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded. Seven first-round picks on the roster, 13 overall draft picks, nine of their 10 returning scores from last year. I mean, this, yeah, the expectations are high in Ann Arbor this year. And uh, in my opinion, anything less than a Big Ten title and a Frozen Four appearance it would be kind of a disappointment because that's, that's what I was going to ask. Is it Frozen Four or bust, or is that too much? 
No, I mean, so like, I mean, expecting a national championship, I think is a little lofty. I mean, there's just, there's so, there's so many different teams. There's more parity in college hockey than I think most other college sports, but you got to at least find your way in to get to the frozen four and give yourself uh, a chance in the big dance. I, winning, winning two games at NCAA tournament is doable, but we've seen the last couple of years, it's not always the number one and number two seeds that advance. It's a one game playoff basically. And a bad goaltending performance, a couple of costly turnovers in your own zone and, and you're down to nothing and it, things change when you're in that tournament setting. But I, th- I think that you have to expect them to win the Big Ten. It, it should be a, a tough conference. I, they're not even predicted to win the Big Ten, what Minnesota was. But I, I mean, with with Michigan's talent and it's not like they're all freshmen either. Like three of those guys, Owen Power. Number one overall draft pick, Matty Beneers, number two overall, and Ken Johnson, number five overall. They were all played for Michigan last year. So they're coming back for their sophomore seasons, having a year of college hockey under their belt. Yeah, they didn't get to play in the tournament last year because of that, that COVID, uh, that COVID outbreak, or they failed COVID protocol. So they weren't able to play there, but they were set to, to make the tournament run last year as well. And that's and then they added another top five pick in Luke Hughes another first round pick and Mackie Samuskevich. So the, the one question mark heading into the year is goaltending. They lost Strauss man. Who's been their anchor the last few years, really one of the best college hockey goalies in, in Michigan history, in my opinion. I mean, especially early on in his career, he didn't have all that talent in front of him. He kept Michigan in countless games that I, that I watched and earned the victory for them, only allowing a goal or two. Now they're handing the reins to, Eric Portillo, who played a little bit last year, but not much because Strauss was the number one. He's a big guy. He's got a lot of talent. He's a third-round draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres, but he has, has not been a number one goalie at the college level before. And then behind him, if anything happens to him, there's just a lot of inexperience. And as we know, you need goaltending at, at that stage. So that's going to be the one thing that Michigan's season could hinge on is, is how well he plays this year. Keeping the puck out of the net is pretty key, I would think. I'm not a <laughs> hockey guy, but I think that's pretty important. You, uh, you mentioned Minnesota was picked to win the Big Ten? Yes. Are they just more experienced? What, what's the deal there? Yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of talent, too, and, and they are experienced. So, like, yeah, it's I mean, that it's not too surprising that that was the case. Michigan and, and Minnesota had a lot of good battles last year. But, I mean, no no college team has ever put together – the talent level that that this Michigan team has, so it's there's nothing really to compare to because this is unprecedented with seven draft picks. I think the most before that was five from the North Dakota team from like 0405 and that was that was a loaded team as well. But yeah, this this Michigan team is is unprecedented. I mean, to have the top two picks from the from this year's draft returning to school, it's that just doesn't happen. So yeah, a lot of pressure on Mel Pearson and his mission Wolverines and, and we'll see how they handle it. They kick the, or yeah, start the season off on Friday at Yoast Friday and Saturday. Uh, obviously won't be at the Saturday game, but we'll, we'll see how, how they look on Friday and I'll have uh, coverage on MLive.com. Good deal. And yeah. And yeah, obviously basketball media days were today and Andrew is couldn't be with us. He's driving back. We'll be driving back soon from media days and he'll have plenty of coverage from basketball. We'll try and get a, a basketball centric pod here probably next week. And yeah, I mean, hoop season's right around the corner. Hockey season starting football's five and oh, a lot of, a lot of Wolverines action going on right now. So we appreciate you tuning in and we'll talk to you guys again soon.